Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philacrosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome Dan Shimani to the Philosophy Podcast. Dan is the head coach at the University of Richmond and uh, joins us again. Uh, we had him on a couple of years ago, and it's uh, due time to have you back on. Shamats, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Always a, always a pleasure. Love talking lacrosse with you. So, uh, give, the, uh, give us the update on the Spiders. What are you guys up to? Uh, how's the season looking? When does preseason start? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, so... Preseason has uh, has begun. We're right in the in the thick of it right now. Um, our guys came back to campus on January eighth. They were all tested and uh, quarantined right away. Um, we uh, everybody initially got a negative test, um, but then you know we had a a, a young man uh, experience some symptoms. Soon thereafter, luckily he hadn't been exposed to the team, just as roommates. Um, so we were able to proceed uh, with the majority of the guys, and uh, and then some guys, uh, you know, him and his roommates had to abide by quarantine rules and, and stuff like that. But uh, those guys are are uh, are back and and going, and and uh, yeah, we're we're kind of full steam ahead here. So awesome. Yeah. What uh. Got to be so good to be back on the field. I know you got some fall ball, but it's different because you're going to be, you're preparing to play some games. Um, I'm sure the guys are fired up and excited. Can you talk to me a little bit about the way you plan for a season in the sense of how you look at your personnel and how you're going to install things and how you sort of schedule it and then how you adjust along the way when things come up with an injury or something you're not as good at or, you know, whatever those adjustments that you have to make to your plan. That's a great question, especially, you know, and obviously right now um, with the current, current landscape, we're all trying to manage um, the, the thing that the message that we have been delivering to our guys pretty consistently is uh, you know, it's a, the, uh, cliche you hear a lot in team sports, you know, you, you know, get yourself ready and your time will come. So whether you're a, a starter or, um, you know, a young guy still figuring it out, uh, anything can happen this year in anybody and everybody has to be ready to play. So, um, we, you know, we're preaching that message as, as, as much as we can. And, um, you know, I do think we've got some, uh, some decent depth, you know, on the team this year and, and, uh, you know, guys who, uh, 
are going to get a chance when maybe they didn't expect it, um, but deserve a chance at the same time. So, um, you know, that definitely factors into the way we're organizing practices, you know, looking for, Hey, is this an opportunity to go at, at two ends rather than one end? Um, is, uh, you know, how are we splitting up our coaching staff, you know, during drills, um, you know, even our installation in the, the early weeks, you know, we, 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 uh, we kept those to really small groups to make sure that everybody got uh, an extensive amount of reps um, with, with each and everything that was going in and, and that was being discussed. So um, it's, it's going to happen at some point, you know, where we just, we might be going into a game and find out on Thursday before Saturday that your starting attack is out. And, you know, what are you going to do? You still, you know, we, we got guys who, you know, they're just, they're, they're going to take full advantage of that opportunity and they're going to have to be ready. And, um, and uh, right now guys are, you know, obviously still early, but our guys are really, you know, uh, loving that and, and getting themselves ready. And, and uh, uh, they understand that that's going to be a realistic thing that we're all going to deal with. For sure. I know when I was preparing for a season, I would, I would try to think about, what I wanted to install and, and the things that I wanted to have in, you know, by a certain date. Um, can you talk about how you do that with everything from skill through the installation of offenses and defenses and special teams? So, yeah, great question. So that's our, uh, our implementation plan, which, you know, the, the coaching staff, you know, takes great pride in as we lead it, uh, lead into every, uh, every fall or spring semester. And, you know, we've got all of our categories, whether it's offense, defense, riding, clearing, transition, man up, man down, goalies, face-offs. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some things as well, but, you know, we go through and, you know, just like you said, all right, you know, this is who we're playing on this date. By this date, what do we need to have in and ready? And, you know, then how does that work leading up to that you know, that game week by week, you know, when does everything get installed? And, you know, it's just a great template to plan out your weeks and, and try and stay organized. Um, obviously, you know, some, and, and, you know, more often than not, you know, uh, when you're planning that out, you know, and, you know, December, you know, you get a little aggressive, you know, and then yeah. when you get to the, you know, end of January and you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? You know, no way we, you know, ever could have gotten all this stuff in by our first game, but totally, but the, the, we did things a little bit different this year um, as, as a coaching staff, which I really liked coach Hogan, um, you know, brought this idea. He, you know, he's been with us now for, uh, you know, year and a half. And before he was with us, he was at Penn state and, you know, we did a, uh, a version of uh, something they call their winter summit. Uh, we didn't, ours wasn't quite as, as uh, um, elaborate as, as I think, you know, how I understand, you know, what they do. Um, but we really had some in-depth conversations about everything we do and, and how we could do all that stuff better. Um, so, you know, we really enjoyed that. It really got the juices flowing during the off season and, uh, and helped organize um, that imp that plan, you know, of implementing, you know, this offense or, you know, well, you know, we talk about ground balls like this, but are we practicing them enough? Or, you know, this is how we run or want to ride. Or are we really practicing, you know, our ride enough? Um, so it, it answered a lot of questions and has shaped the way that, you know, practices have been organized so far in our, uh, our early preseason here. Totally. And the exercise is so important because if you put the list of all the stuff that you want to do and then you actually figure out the dates by which you want to have them in and then you actually make the attempt to create practice plans, at least generally about how you're going to put it in, you will realize really quickly that you have to cut everything you were going to do in half. And then you might have to cut it in half again from there um, once you're actually in the end of January and you're like, oh, yeah, no way or every practice is going to be about four hours. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, and then you throw, you know, the, again, the landscape, you know, that we're in and, you know, guys coming off the break and, you know, the gradual build into, 
uh, you know, full field and, you know, full speed, yeah, you, that, that time gets eaten up, you know, really, really quickly. So um, we utilize, we, we were actually pretty lucky. Um, so this is the first week of classes. Classes started on Tuesday, uh, but the, the, the guys, all the student athletes were here last week. So we were able to go double sessions. We were able to do a lot of slow down, teach, install, um, without burning them out, you know, make the days a little bit more mental than physical, um, you know, plenty of virtual film, um, you know, things of, things of that nature. So it's been, uh, that stuff has been really, really helpful. Um, just having them back that extra week and totally you know, not taxing their bodies, but, you know, really, uh, um, you know, uh, getting their, you know, getting their minds around, For sure. uh, things strategically we're going to do. So when you look at a team, you know, you go through the, you kind of have an idea of what you think you have coming in to a, a, a year. And then after the fall, you, you get a much better idea and you don't necessarily really know, but you have a pretty decent idea and you do have to plan in December ish, like you said, to figure out how we're going to play. How do you use, how do you evaluate that? How do you use analytics and what are some of the main factors like, you know, as it relates to playing fast or playing slow or having to ride or not, what are the, what are some of the things you're looking at to just, that will help you decide how you're going to play? Um, yeah. Another, another great question, Jamie, the uh, we had a lot of conversations about that. Um, and for the reason, you know, you talked about earlier about, you know, like there's just not enough time to, thoroughly do everything that you want to do, especially this season, um, we have learned to err on the simpler side, you know, and just as simple as we can keep things, the simpler, the better, you know, the quicker we can teach them, the quicker they can pick them up. Um, and let's just focus on being a good at these simple things rather than worry about getting too extravagant with with too many things. Um, so that's been, you know, a, a small piece of, of what's worked for us, you know, over the years. And I think has um, become just that much more important, you know, right here, right now, especially if, you know, like we were saying, you're, you, you know, you're three of your top six defensemen, yeah. you know, tested positive. Or you know, a texturist. Yeah, younger guys. You know, is your system simple enough for your younger guys to step in, you know, for some guys who don't get those, haven't gotten, you know, those significant minutes to be able to step in and execute. Now, you know, we're fortunate we've had, you know, we return a lot, you know, from a year ago. We, we lost, you know, one uh, starting close defenseman. You know, we lost a couple of uh, uh, short stick D middies, you know, guys who, you know, played short stick D midi for us, but um, we return, you know, quite a bit. So, you know, we were able to lean on their experience and maybe, you know, give them a little bit more limited reps and they have more miles on them um, and give some of the guys who are still growing, you know, some more of those reps. So that that's kind of right. you know, on the back burner for us, you know, something that, you know, we, we plan to do when it comes time. And so some of that answer was just generally, Hey, we're going to figure it out. We're also going to keep things simple because we know that you just don't have enough time. Um, but I also know that, like, I think you told me you guys kind of became a riding team because you just really weren't great at face-offs. And that was one of the sort of things that I wanted to ask as it relates to all the coaches out there that are listening to this when they're evaluating their team and how they want to play. Like uh, look at Brown 2016. Let's uh, play fast. But they also won. They also had the best face-off group in the country. You can do whatever you want when you have the best face-off group in the country, right? You can play as fast. You can play slow. You can, you can mix it up. You could go game to game, right? Uh, maybe face-offs in and of itself is the, is the chief indicator as to how you're going to have to try and play. But what are some of those things you think about as it relates to analytics and stats and the, 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 the quality of various elements of your team, whether maybe you've got great shorties or maybe you've got 
young defenseman or, you know, um, an ex, you know, Pat Spencer equivalent in your own little area, a great ball carrying, feeding attackman. How, how does that impact how you decide how to play? Well, uh, I mean, you got to, you have to know your personnel. You know, you can't be stubborn and say, this is how we're going to play. And your personnel doesn't allow you to, to play that way. Um, you know, and that, that takes me back to uh, Loyola in, in 2012, you know, when we feel, you know, philosophically made the change to increase the, the tempo at which we played. We had Scott Ratliff and Josh Hawkins and Pat Laconi and, you know, a few other guys at the rope unit who were incredibly athletic. And we just, well, how, how can we use these guys beyond just getting stops? Um, they were great at defense. They were so athletic. And so it's, you know, your personnel shapes, you know, the, the way that, I mean, it has to shape the way that you have to play, but you know, your, you know, what you're referencing was, you know, 2014, you know, here when we started the program at Richmond, you know, we had really, really young team. We were facing off at like 20% playing pretty good defense, but just playing a lot of it. And we just said, we need a way to get the ball. And then our, our 10 man ride, you know, was born. And then, you know, that grew and then we became better at faceoffs and that, you know, created, you know, a fun style to, to play. And, um, you know, we've, we've, uh, um, um, you know, so that's, you know, we, you, we have to look at all that stuff, but, it, you know, luckily I just don't see what, you know, the things that we're doing changing too much, you know, for some of the reasons we talked about before. I mean, we, you know, we really believe in the, um, you know, the importance of shooting percentage and, you know, and shot selection, you know, that's a, a, you know, an analytic or a metric that we really, you know, pay a lot of attention to um, assisted goals, you know, those kind of things, you know, offensively um, and clearing, you know, I, I learned early on in this profession, you know, that every season should start, you know, with ground balls and clearing. Um, so, you know, clearing is something that we, I know when we've had, you know, new assistants come in, you know, they're a little astounded with how much we practice clearing. So, you know, we only want to play defense once and then, you know, we want to play a lot of offense, you know, as well. So those are just some normal things yep. you know, that shape the way that, you know, we do things in the style that we play. And I think we've traditionally been, uh, a, you know, a top 10 or top five team from a clearing percentage standpoint. So. Um, you know, that'll always shape, uh, that'll always be a big part of, you know, what our early focus is on. Totally. I have a question about, you know, you've got all these things that are, that are so important, you know, and you can classify one as more important than the other, but in the end, you know, you got to be able to play transition offensive defense. You got to be able to play man up and man down. You got to be able to, you know, play six on six, you got to have zone offense, zone, you know, maybe zone defense, you know, you got to really focus on all of these things, face off wing play. Um, how, and, and of course you got skill development, you know, which is probably maybe more important than everything because the easiest way to make your team better is to help your players get better. So how do you do what I say, what I call kill three birds with one stone, meaning how do you consciously and uh, intentionally figure out how we're going to work on several things at the same time, because you don't have time to work on them one at a time. Um, so yeah, I, this, this, you know, a lot of these lessons we learned, you know, um, early on as a program, um, and, you know, I believe it was coach Richards's idea when we, when we started this program, I mean, we had so few guys, we had like 34 guys on the roster. Um, and in season we were like, man, if, if we practice, you know, like the old school way of practicing, you know, Monday through Thursday, you know, for two hours, you know, every day, um, you know, just like one-on-one, six-on-six, you know, against each other. We're going to have nobody left you know, by the end of the, the season here. You know, we need to, you know, really accommodate, you know, our our personnel, you know, because as much as we had 30, 34 guys, you know, we had eight guys, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
Um, so we no, we needed to just like you said, we need to develop our guys. Um, so you know, his idea was, well, you know, what if Mondays become, you know, just fundamental days, no contact. Um, you know, we just build them up, you know, as players and, um, you know, we do that in the fall and it just made all the sense in the world. Um, that, and that's basically what our Mondays early on as a program became where, you know, all right, there's no contact and these guys, they need all the skill development they can get. Um, and we saw a lot of advantages, you know, with that, that, you know, that's continued to be a, a big part of what we do. Um, and, and that, you know, it might shift, you know, per day of the week, you know, now, but, um, you know, if you're, if you keep things simple, you know, from top to bottom, you, you have plenty of time to do that, to develop your guys and to, you know, and to prioritize that. So, so that's become, um, something that we fall back on, you know, quite a bit, you know, where it's like, how many times do you have to run your transition offense? Yeah. You know? Like they know it, you know, you get them enough reps in it. Yeah, well, let's practice shooting now, you know, because if you can't, if you run your transition offense, great, or your six on six offense, great, you'd be great at running offense, but you can be terrible at scoring goals. You know, so, um, so that, that's, uh, that's been, you know, a lot of fun. And what I think has allowed us to uh, kind of keep the depth, you know, year to year that we've had, you know, over the last, you know, five or so years. Do you ever try to create, skill development drills that might resemble the motions that you might do in, you know, your man up or your zone offense. For example, let's say you just wanted to do a five on four scramble or something like this. And you, you know, you can just let them bang it around or you can start to get some movement and carries and things like this, where maybe you give them a second rep playing the five on four. So you're getting great defensive rotation and in that five on four situation, but you can, you know, this is what I was thinking about in terms of killing three birds is that, you know, you can work on skill, you can work on defense of five on four scramble type of situations, the rotations, but you can also say, Hey, we're going to carry in shallow cut and bang it and see if we can, you know, learn how to, you know, throw back or throw it ahead based on whether they pass us off things like this. Yeah. So from a, like a, a conceptual standpoint, you know, the, the part whole, you know, model is, is, uh, is, is something we subscribe very heavily to. Um, and whether it's in odd numbers setting, transitional setting, um, you know, even numbers setting, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I just, and, and obviously it's, uh, it's tough to just, you know, um, kind of say, all right, this is the drill that we're going to do. There's a lot of times, you know, the drills will adapt, you know, to what it is you know, strategically, you know, that we're doing, you know, we'll, you know, kind of change it to fit, you know, what our extra man looks like or what our transition plan looks like, or, you know, what the clearing plan looks like to just to hone those, you know, those conceptual skills. So, um, so yeah, the part whole, that's, you know, that's really important for us when you look at today's practice plan, we got about 20 minutes set aside for, for part whole and that's great teaching you know, segments where you stop, you blow the whistle, you slow things down and you make sure at the end of that segment that everybody's questions are answered. So when you move on to the, uh, you're putting the pieces together, you know, you can feel pretty good about how that's going to look. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of decision-making, arguably the most important part of the whole game. Right. I mean, like it's more important than than skills in many ways, because if you use the skills in the wrong with the wrong decisions, it doesn't really do that much for you. Um, how do you guys emphasize it? How do you develop it? And not just as a, hey, you know, there's 45 seconds left in the game. Let's let's not let's try to hold the ball and not shoot necessarily or but also just the decision making of, you know, how to read, uh, uh, read a screen or read a, an on ball pick and how the defense is playing it and whether you're going to stick your pick or slip your pick. All of these decisions factor into your success. Yeah, um, it's tough. That's it's that's one of the toughest things, you know, that we can develop. You know, I don't want to cop out and say that a lot of that falls on us recruiting, you know, <laughs> making sure that we're you know, doing our due diligence to, you know, ensure that this young man has got, you know, already coming in with some, you know, a semblance of that. 
Um, but the best, you know, the best players in the country, um, you know, you, I mean, you can, you can clearly see that in the recruiting process and um, whether it's a young man who's, um, you know, multi-sport athlete who, you know, um, is playing a, a quarterback position, a point guard position, um, you know, where they're asked to, you know, to be that decision maker. Um, so the, um, but again, you know, not copping out, you know, on the answer to that question, I would say um, it's, it's really, it's the, it, it's the constant, it's a simple and constant uh, repetition of the, the part hole, you know, uh, type drills. It's the, you know, being willing to stop practice, rewind that last, uh, that last rep, you know, when a mistake was made, put them back in that situation, blow the whistle again and ask them to make, you know, the right play in that situation. It's, you know, identifying and keeping things efficient in the film room. Um, and, uh, and I do think the consistency, it, you know, is important. And um, if there's a way to, you know, just, I think a lot of kids, they like like black and white rules, um, you know, make sure that, you know, any rules that you have, you know, related to your offense or your defense, um, you know, that are black and white are, are truly black and white, you know, meaning that there's um, to allow them to make those decisions with confidence and make those decisions quickly, um, almost as like non-negotiables, you know, so to speak. So um, a lot, you know, easier said than done. That's for sure. Totally. I think um, decision-making is what we're all pressed with and w as coaches, because we know that that's going to be the, the difference between wins and losses so many times. And what, what we want to try to do is create these part hole situations and create these black and white rules. And the, the hard part is they're really, they're, they're, you could say there really isn't much black and white other than like you want to score and you don't want to let the other team score. I mean, that's pretty black and white, but other than that, how it happens so different. Um, and one of the things that I've really been experimenting with, and I'm curious to, see, to hear what you guys do is to try to make drills competitive and play them out and let the decision-making be a part of their process for trying to win the game that they're in, as opposed to just run a drill and do what they're told. Because oftentimes when they're in a position where they're going to the win and the loss and the push-ups after the loss or the sprints after the loss, or just the, the desire to win will help you make the decisions. You know, it's like when you do six on six, if you just roll it out there, they'll take crappy shots all day. And if all of a sudden they know it's competitive, they'll start making different decisions. How often do you try to leverage that in your practices? Oh man. Um, at least once a day. Um, there's, there's typically, you know, at least one drill uh, that has an asterisk next to it on the practice plan. That drill is, is a competitive drill for something, whether it's running, um, whether it's first group to eat, you know, um, the, in the pregame meal. Um, uh, yeah, that's the competition piece is, is, is tremendous. You're absolutely right. The, um, their ability to, uh, to think and, and make those decisions when, you know, when the game's on the line, you know, is, uh, um, that's, that's tough to, that's really the only way, the best way, you know, that I can think of to prepare them for those, those game situations. Um, but, you know, it's kind of in the way you do everything, yeah. you know, as well, like, um, you know, that just the overall, you know, culture and, you know, discipline that you're creating, you know, off the field, you know, teaches these guys that there's, you know, consequences for their actions. Um, you know, and if, uh, you know, if you're, you're making mistakes off the field and in the locker room, you know, like it's, you know, that all, all that stuff translates. So, you know, we're all trying to search for that perfect recipe, you know, um, but uh, yeah, obviously, you know, you get a different group of kids each year. The recipe's got to change a little bit you know, every year as well. Totally. I kind of, we all know how, how much more of the kids like it when it's competitive too. Right. Yeah. 
it's, you know, you could, you know, well, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's funny when you even, you know, when you do a drill for, you know, you got on the practice plan for 10 minutes, you've done it for eight minutes, you know, and it's been outstanding. And then you're like, all right, first team to three wins. And like everything changes, you know, just everything, you know, changes. Um, and uh, those are just, you know, great lessons, you know, that they have to learn or you throw on them. You know, we've done this in the past where it's, you know, you're keeping score throughout the whole drill and one team is up by nine. You're like, all right, the next one's worth 10. <laughs> it's like, that's, you know, like sudden change, you know, how are you going to handle it? You know, can you make that next play? You know, just like it doesn't, you know, you could be playing in a game where your first three quarters were absolute garbage. And luckily you look at the scoreboard and you're still in the game. Right. And it's like, you know, we can, are we going to let what has already happened, you know, affect, you know, how we approach this next possession. Yeah. You know, offensively or, or defensively. So, um, it takes a lot of, you know, mental toughness and, you know, and discipline. Um, but, uh, you know, I like throwing those things at them. I love um, we, when we get deeper in, I, you know, I'm you know, sure everybody's doing two minute drill type stuff. And, you know, um, you know, we do all kinds of, you know, and sorts of stuff like that, which is, which is always a lot of fun. I think, um, you know, you hear of coaches like Anson Dorrance, um, you know, the great soccer, the women's soccer coach in North Carolina that would make the entire practice competitive. And, and we all know that the kids love it. We all know that it, it, it brings a, a lot of great qualities out of our players. I think sometimes as coaches, it's hard for us to make everything competitive or make a lot of even do anything competitive because it gets so messy. And if there was something that you actually wanted to accomplish in the way you wanted to play, it may not play out that way when you make it competitive because all of a sudden they're just going to try to win. You're like, well, wait, 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 but we're doing this. And um, it kind of goes back to you can play like dog crap for three quarters and still be able to win a game, but that's kind of what it's all about. Games are messy too. Um, the, you know, we've got a couple of rules, you know, that we talk about often, you know, when things are competitive, you know, there's no excuses and there's no complaining. You know, you don't like the result, do better next time. You yeah. know, and that's kind of started in the weight room, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, in our off season, you know, the, the team breaks down into, you know, smaller teams. They, uh, they compete um, in things daily in the off season as well, including the weight room. Um, so, you know, our strength and conditioning coach will have them, you know, in some sort of competition and, you know, they're all huddled around a group doing some sort of pull up hold or something like that. And, you know, they start complaining, ah, oh, you know, his elbows are bent or this or that, you know, and hey, you know, there's no complaining, you know, you, you want to win, you do better. You know, you didn't like the fact that you lost, you got to do, you got to do better, you know, so that, that really uh, helped us, you know, and, kind of, you know, keeping that message consistent, even in practice, you know, and you want to win in the game, do better. You know, there is a winner and loser in team sports. Like that's how it works, you know? And if I'm out there trying to protect their feelings, you know, or like even justifying any of that nonsense, that's not, you know, it's not doing them any good, you know? And yeah, some days the offense might get their butt kicked. That's, that's the way it works. Coach Sol used to say all the time, some days you get the bear, some days the bear gets you, you know, and that's, you know, you got to understand how to, uh, how to uh, continue, you know, regardless of what, you know, what the end result was, you know, did you get the bear or did the bear get you? So, um, you know, they have to, they have to learn those lessons, you know, as hard as they are sometimes. Totally. Um, I got a question about developing both the combination, the tricky combination of developing creativity and discipline, knowing when to push it, knowing when to pull it out and, and how you as a coach 
um, can foster it. Because obviously, as a coach, we can control whatever we want. We can yell yellow. We can slow things down. We can tell people, don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. And that definitely can work. Although, you know, sometimes player development needs to be a priority. And if you're going to do that, it's going to limit the, the development of your players. And so while you might win the battle, you may not win the war. If you want to be able to win big time games, you're going to have to be able to score goals. You're going to have to be able to dodge a pole. You're going to have to be able to make some plays. That's what big time teams do. And at the same time, you got to try to win this game. And it's such a, it's such a, 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 a pulling in two different directions for a coach how do you um, think about that and how do you try to try to help your team develop that way? Yeah. I um, see it's, you know, like when I, when, when we talk about discipline here, you know, I, I, in my opinion, it has a different meaning than I think when some people, you know, hear it and then apply it to maybe like, you know, their image of, of how, of what we're talking about or the way that we play. Um, you know, the, I think we allow our guys to be creative whenever they want to be, you know, creative, to be honest. Um, you know, I think our, our offense, you know, fosters that. Um, I think our transition fosters that, um, you know, the, we had a conversation on the field yesterday um, about like, hey, this is a great opportunity. You know, like a young man asked, you know, a question and, you know, it pertained to, you know, throwing the ball behind his back. And, you know, the answer was, you know, if you can do it, do it, you know, but if you know, that's not something that you're strong at, you know, we're going to ask you not to do it. If you throw the ball away six times doing it, there's your answer right there, you know, but some of you guys absolutely can do it. And yeah, that's a, that would be a good play to make. So, you know, like we're, we're not going to, we're not going to tell you that you can't do that when that might lead to a goal. Um, so, um, I think the, the discipline piece, you know, when I'm applying it to situations like that is just, you know, not trying to make plays that you're incapable of making, not taking, you know, um, you know, shots that aren't quality shots. And, you know, as we all would argue, there's plenty of times a, a backhand shot or a behind the back shot, you know, um, it is the, the higher quality shot. So, you know, uh, now we're going to want to practice those things. We don't want to just pull those out on game day, you know, but you know, so that's usually the conversation, you know, if a young man throws it away, it's like, especially in a game, like, Hey, I haven't seen that in practice. Like, let's practice that, do it in practice, you know, so we can learn, you know, when and where we can get away with that in practice. And it's the same with like dropping your hands, shooting the ball. You know, it's, if you're going to practice that, that's okay. You know, just practice it. But same thing, if you're dropping your hands and you can't hit the broad side of the barn, you, I'm sorry, you can't drop your hands anymore, <laughs> you know, but like, so, and we've, you know, typically the guys laugh, you know, we'll go down the line and say, you can drop your hands. You can drop your hands. You can't, you can drop your hands. You can't. You know, and all this time I'll say, if you're asking yourself, is coach going to tell me, can I drop my hands or not? The answer is probably no. They know, you know, who can, who's allowed to drop their hands. So it's, a, you know, I do think we give them creative license, you know, their decision-making, their shot selection. Yeah. I would like that to be, you know, discipline. we don't, you know, if you can't score from outside 15, I don't want you scoring from outside 15. If you can't right. score on the run, I don't want you shooting the ball on the run, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's to me, you know, that's, you know, more of like, you know, discipline from a decision-making standpoint. Um, but if your skills allow you to throw the ball behind the back, throw it behind the back. We have a freshman, you know, here who I watched him during the recruiting process and his highlight video is filled with him breaking guys down and throwing these behind the back passes to open teammates. We're about a month into fall ball. And I said, you know, Luke, like, you know, I haven't seen you throw the ball behind the back yet. Like, why not? And he's like, I, I can do that. And I was like, yeah, like that's, you know, one of the reasons we recruited you, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like that's a heck of a play, make that play, you know? So, um, so, you know, I just hadn't done as good of a job, you know, early on there of making sure he knew that, you know, he had that the ability to, to do that, but. Um, a license. 
It's like James Bond with a license to kill. When you have a license to feed behind the back, you know, it's a good license to have. And the reason why, obviously, is not just not just because it looks cool. Uh, it's actually really hard for a defense to defend. They can't see it coming. It's a new angle and they can't really check it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's really, really interesting um, concept. And I think it's it's just um, it's really hard to find that balance of, you know, we need to be able to control the ball and we need to be able to let our players develop. I I used to laugh that the way Princeton was winning championships in the 90s was a, an amazing recipe of incredible team defense, amazing ball control, and then and then scoring goals. And there was a generation of guys like my age that would like try to do that um, and not realize that with Hubbard Hess, Massey, <laughs> Sims, you know, and all these guys that were actually first team All-Americans, they could kind of hold it as long as they wanted to and still score. Um, I remember UMass actually, um, you know, played that way. And then they were like, screw this. And then they started to play fast. And the fun and gun of UMass in the probably early 2000s or something. And um, it made all the difference for their program because they, they it opened them up and allowed them to develop. And yeah, you're going to lose some games because you turn it over in transition when you, when you, you, you could have not turned it over in transition, but in the end, as you go, you just get better and better and better. And eventually you won't, you know, you'll have, you won't, you'll make those proper decisions. You'll, you'll finish those shots. Um, so it's kind of an interesting little thought. And as coaches, you know, if that's the style you're going to play, you know, you can't, you can't ask your kids to play that way. And then, you know, jump all over them. If they're turning the ball over, you're going to have to bite your tongue, you know, and, and sometimes live by the sword and sometimes, you know, die by the sword, Yeah. you know, there as well. And that's, again, again, some lessons we learned at Loyola, um, you know, again, when, you know, we made that change and that was all, you know, stuff that we had heard and learned from, you know, coach Daly when he was at Tufts and, you know, some of the things he presented at the, uh, the IMLCA convention, you know, years ago. And um, luckily we had the personnel to be able to, to do that. And yeah, at times it's like, ah, oh, gosh, like, you know, that possession was 10 seconds, didn't work out so well, but there were a lot more where it was like, that possession was 10 seconds and we generated a better shot than we ever could have after three minutes of playing six on six. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's all about, right? Is the analytics of, are we, are we generating better shots? And yeah, obviously everybody face off. So there's a lot of situational stuff that will dictate, Hey, let's slow it down. But think about Syracuse. You know, you grew up in, in the, in the Syracuse area, watching, watching the, the orange play and, they would always look sloppy early on and throw the ball away and lose a game here or there. But by the end of the season, man, they not only did they possess the ball amazingly in such a different way than they did early, you know, in, in earlier games where they threw it away a lot or just threw it, you know, might, might throw it away a lot. But they also would have like players like Nick Licamelli with his fourth goal of the game. You're like, who the heck is that guy? And all of a sudden their players were just developing. And I think it was partly the way that they allowed their guys to play and make mistakes and make decisions. Nick Licamelli's father was my sixth grade history teacher. So Nick Licamelli was a West Jenny product. So I remember that name. I remember, I remember that name at Bird Stadium being like, who's Nick Licamelli with his fourth goal of the championship? I was there. I remember as a kid being there. I remember even the, you know, because like you said, I grew up in Syracuse, was a Syracuse fan. I remember he scored four goals. I remember his like celebrations at the midfield line yep. you know, afterwards. And, you know, um, and I think when his, his father was my sixth grade history teacher, I, I'm not even sure I knew that his son was like a lacrosse player at Syracuse. But he, you know, uh, I know why Nick Lecamelli was a pretty tough player. You know, um, his, you know, his father was a, a heck of a teacher and he was old school. So there was no messing around in history class, you know, in sixth grade, that's for sure. <laughs> there shouldn't be. Um, all right. Well, I would like to uh, finish off with your thoughts on recruiting in this uh, crazy COVID era. Um, obviously, you haven't been able to watch a guy play now in a year plus. Um, you've, you have probably committed a few kids. I don't even have looked at your list, but, you know, it's been, it's been primarily off of film. Can you just talk about, you know, what you've learned, how you're looking at things, what you're planning on doing when you get into the summer, when you actually can start watching players again? Will it be a little different? Will it be the same as it relates to 22s and 23s? Gosh. Um, that's 
funny. You find out that, you know, you get to do all your recruiting from your living room, you know, or from your office and you're like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, I get to, you know, I get to sit down in the comfort of my home and, you know, watch this event and go to sleep in my own bed and this and that. Um, and then you forget that, you know, when you went to that event, you know, it was the only thing you could go to, you know, it's, you know, when they're, cause on, you know, July 10th, you know, you can only be at one place at one time. Yep. Now on July 10th, you can be 20 different places, you know? So there's uh, you know, there's no shortage of film to watch from a recruiting standpoint. So, um, you know, it, uh, it can definitely be overwhelming. Um, and it is, you know, overwhelming. And, um, you know, I, I would say our, our whole staff is, is felt like that, but we've done, you know, and, and I give my, you know, staff all the credit in the world for being able to, you know, identify a lot of the young men who, you know, are, are, are committed to us right now and, you know, really happy with those guys and, you know, what they bring to the table. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, but you see, you know, I feel, I feel like I've seen a lot where the guys on the film, they just, they know they need film, you know, they know they need film. So, um, I feel like you can see that in their play because, uh, there's not a highlight video that you pull up these days that doesn't look impressive. <laughs> you know, it's just the truth. Yeah. You know? And, um, because uh, they're playing so much, there is no shortage of film, you know, to um, for them to choose, you know, to make themselves look look really good, you know. But you really do, you know, have to dive in and um, and see the, you know, the full full picture, the full scope, you know, of, of each guy. But uh, I, I'll be honest, you know, something I do want to speak of um, here a trend that I've seen and, and I've talked to colleagues and they've seen this as well. Um, and it's hurting kids in recruiting. Um, we can tell when you've sped up the video. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. I mean, that is happening. That is, that is like the new trend is, you know, some of these young men, you know, they're, uh, you know, I can't say I know how to do it, you know, but they're putting the speed of their video on like one and a half, times or, or, or what, however they're doing it. So, you know, it's, it's noticeable, it's obvious, you know, um, and we have, we have access to all the real films that these guys are, you know, taking, putting on their highlight films and then speeding up. Um, that is the uh, uh, interesting, you know, um, you know, interesting dynamic that, uh, yeah. that we have all witnessed that is not helping the young men who, who are deciding to speed up their video. That is not, uh, they are not presenting themselves, you know, uh, from a first impression standpoint, uh, the best way I'm sure that they, they could. So this is yeah. a quick plug. If any recruitable <laughs> parents are listening, make sure you are not the idea. Video. It's definitely dad's idea. Uh, I, that happened in, in, to me one time in Denver in the early two thousands and, the ref's hand was just going so fast. I was like, Oh my God, these guys are so fast. All these guys are fast. And the ref was like counting. And I was like, all right, this is definitely sped up. But uh, yeah, it's pretty funny when you, when you see the little tactics one time uh, I was watching with like Bart Sullivan and Torp and there was a, there was a staged hit. It was like a, a action. And all of a sudden you could tell it just cut to a stage. This guy blew somebody up on the sideline and there was like nobody else there. And then it, so there, you know, everybody can pretty much tell with the antics, but you know, it's some good laughs along the way too. So if no you like, you know, spice it up a little bit, because when you, when you got all that on-demand viewing, um, you know, it's nice to have something to remember. Well, I, the, uh, you know, I, I can think of even some like memorable recruits um, who, where the, it wasn't the lacrosse video. Yeah you know, allowed them to stand out from the masses. Um, uh, Reed Acton. Right. The fight uh, video. Yeah. Close. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the Canadian defenseman, you know, who recruited back at, at Loyola, um, you know, has become a good friend and a great coach and does amazing things for, you know, the young men involved in his program. 
um, you know, his dad sent me a video of uh, a hockey combine and it was, uh, this guy was quote unquote picking on him, which I don't know why anybody would try to pick on Reed, you know, um, and during this hockey combine and, you know, they just dropped the gloves and that was this recruiting video. Yep. What they told me was, it was a hockey fight and, you know, they go through their, you know, their tilt and then they shake hands and give each other a hug afterwards. And we were, remember coach Toomey saying like, don't let the president get a hold of that one, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, it was like that stood out and that, you know, clearly was like, all right, we need to learn more about this young man. Um, but even, you know, we had a, a defenseman here early in our, you know, career here, Ryan burning from Ohio. I remember his coach reaching out, sending me his video. Um, you know, this was when we were recruiting our first class and his lacrosse video was not very good. Um, and I was like, ah, I think we got better defensemen on our list. You know, we're going to pass. And then he, he sent me his football video. He said, wait, coach, his coach, his coach, coach Sprong, sent me his football video and said, wait, you, you got to watch this. And um, the football video was that impressive. It was just kind of like, you know, we need this kid. He's just the type of athlete, you know, we'll develop him. So, I, you know, we love seeing that stuff. I love watching basketball film, football film, you know, hockey film. Like, you know, that's just a, a way, a great way, in my opinion, for some of these guys to separate themselves from, from others. I got some uh, great pickup, pickup game video. I can send you. That's yeah, please, please send along. I miss it. I, you know, I haven't been able to play basketball during COVID, you know, at all, except for against my three-year-old in the basement, you know? So, um, so I am, I am uh, chomping at okay. to get back out there. When I come to Richmond, we're going to have to do our full court one-on-one to a hundred twos and threes with a, with a break at 33 and 66. Um, and, uh, in, in, in the, in July, in the old gym where it was like literally like 102 degrees. Well, so, so that facility doesn't exist anymore, Jamie. Oh no. They turned that's a new, uh, academic, uh, academic center for the student athletes, but, uh, right, behind it, right behind it, there's a shiny new, uh, basketball practice facility that uh you know that staff is definitely who we're closest with here on campus i'm sure we could get in there and, and run around a little bit I'll do it with you that was that was epic and, and if you recall it went to overtime because it was win by four <laughs> i did not remember that i just i remember i had to in, in, implement the full court press you did in overtime you went full court press because you were up like 99 97 win by four and i hit a three or something and i and all of a sudden you're like all right i'm and i was so done I was so tired. I was like, literally like, that was like keel over. Yeah. We were, we were both in, uh, uh, in rough shape after that one. Thank God you were just missing shots. <laughs> um, Chamats, so awesome to uh, talk lacrosse with you. Thanks for taking the time. Good luck to the, to you and the spiders this year. And uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks, Jamie. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Likewise. Take care. You too.